Greetings and welcome to the Matt Rushmore Podcast. My name is Jeff and I'm joined as always by my good buddies Richard. Hello. And Michael. Howdy. Uh, Richard and Michael have amassed a large following of people who hang on their every word, who've uh, foregone their identities, their bank accounts, their families, just to follow along in the cult of the Mount Rushmore podcast. Uh, I am a much more smaller on the level. I'm not like a level 20 mind wizard like they are in this cult, but uh, they are the founders. They are the ones, the be-alls and end-alls of this uh, cult. I'm just kind of a, an acolyte uh, hovering around in their uh, um, uh, ozone. Uh, we also have uh, guests on this podcast in the form of Steph and Tom Clark. How are you guys doing? Hey, good. How are you? Very I would good. say they're guests, but really they're enemy combatants because they are challenging, the, like Leia Rimini, Rimini <laughs> challenging uh, this uh, um, cult. We can't cult. say their name. Don't say their name. We can't say their names. Um, uh, in case you uh, haven't guessed the topic, this is the Mount Rushmore of cults, uh, and we are going to avoid the- But fun ones, right? The, yeah, the fun ones. <laughs> Not like the, the, the death ones and yeah, like the, the, yeah. the, you know- Kool-Aid puddles not, of blood and Kool-Aid. Yeah, Kool-Aid will not be drunk. It's technically with the, with the cults that end up dying. It's like, that's the end of the cult. So it's like you're kind of <laughs> yeah, yeah, blowing your future. Yeah. I would, that's funny that we said, it's ironic because like James, uh, Jim Jones probably said that the that they were the fun one too. Hey, we're the fun one. <laughs> it's all fun until the Kool-Aid comes out. Um, but uh, Tom and Steph, uh, speaking of fun ones, are stand-up comics uh, as well as animal rights advocates, and they have a great podcast called I'm a Rescue. Could you tell us about that podcast? Yeah, sure. We have uh, different guest actors, writers, comics come on and tell their story of something they have overcome in life. Yeah. We had one episode, which was with the JetBlue uh, flight attendant who um, <laughs> kind of lost it and uh, ended up leaving via the emergency slide. Oh wow! Oh, I remember him. Yeah, I remember him. Yeah, yeah. and he uh, told the whole tale of both how he did it and why he did it, and and the post uh, sort of uh, what happened afterward. And and it's just it, it was really interesting to hear his story. And he's going, you know, he's had some problems uh, <laughs> afterwards, and and mm. kind of dealing with that fame. So um, it, it's a it, it's it's a very popular one for us. Wow, that's uh, an amazing um, background to what was kind of a blip on the news feed and something maybe some late night talk show host might have made fun of. But there was a a an ex it's an extreme piece of behavior, but it probably had extreme circumstances and ex and extremely strong yeah. emotions behind it for that individual. Yeah, yeah, it was interesting. He he would go to Steph's restaurant. She works in. Uh, she was working in Thousand Oaks. And yeah, uh, right after it happened, I was like, "You're a hero!" And he was because <laughs> we all, you know, were at the service industry, want to tell people to f off and can't, and he yeah. did it. Yeah. So oh. He's oh yeah. Really nice dude. So yeah, <laughs> nice enough to be on the podcast. Yeah, I mean, he, walked, he walked down the runway with a with a six pack of beer, drinking it uh, on JFK's tarmac. <laughs> right after 9-11 and uh and he just got away and got in his car and went home and then passed out and woke up to the cops at his door uh like federal police wow yeah. <laughs> wow okay well we, we gotta invite our guest uh listeners sorry our listeners to follow up on uh that i'm a rescue podcast and listen to that episode what's it what's that gentleman's name uh, Steven Slater. Steven yeah. Slater. Okay. And it's uh, our, our uh, it's anchor.fm slash I'm a rescue. 
Cool. Okay. Awesome. Uh, so revi- uh, just recap, we are discussing the Mount Rushmore of Colts. Our guests are Steph and Tom Clark. And as our guests, uh, they are going to go first. So let us know your first choice uh, to be on the Mount Rushmore of Colts. Scientology. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I was too excited to say that. <laughs> <It was> like- <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, awesome. So I imagine uh, some of those listening might even have, uh, there, there are obscure cults out there and then there's the McDonald's of, of cults and that is indeed Scientology. Uh, some would describe it as a faith, right? Or, or I don't know, a way of life, but. Well, they uh, try to. They, they sure try to. Um, what made you choose this one? I think, well, mainly because they are tax exempt. And so that really gives them a lot of power to keep building real estate and they have so much and, money and, and just the clout yeah the clout of celebrities who are in it michael pena i think beck is in it uh and leah remini you guys uh-huh. mentioned but yeah she laughed of course yeah tom cruise i mean so the fact that it has this power over celebrities is, is amazing i think that's why we kind of ranked it number one in our book yeah yeah i I don't know. Uh, I don't think I heard that much about it before moving out to Los Angeles, but coming out to Los Angeles, it is one of the main fixtures on Hollywood Boulevard. It feels like it's a very, it has a very present, a big presence here, not uh, uh, in small part because of the celebrities who tout it and its uh, benefits to their lives. So um, uh, I think it's, I, I think it's a good choice because it hits all like the kind of all these figureheads of what we assume is, um, in a cult where it has these, you know, a powerful leader, this kind of pyramid structure of um, people of influence. It's very secretive. Uh, has some nonsense about um, uh, uh, Martians or aliens on a planet made of volcanoes. Uh, something with uh, a commercial and more volcanoes. And getting allegedly, people allegedly, sucked in. Yes. Allegedly, allegedly, you're right. Uh, I, I, it's funny that you just think of this, it's got it all. It's, it is the going into McDonald's be like, I got, like Jeff said, I've got every, what do I want from a cult? Uh, a little bit of aliens. Okay, here we go. I, yeah. I actually, doing the acting thing, I, I submitted for something I didn't know was a Scientology project and they called me and I was like, I better not go in. Like, I, I feel like I could call for it. I feel like I would join and be. <laughs> you have to have a lot of money too, unless unless you join the Sea Org, and then and then you and then you they make then you they make you. Yeah, billion a billion year contract. A billion year. Billion year. Uh huh. They want you to commit. Wow. <laughs> uh, you know, talking about. Uh, Hollywood, its adjacency or its presence within the entertainment industry. I remember hearing a story of uh, Tom, Tom, and I don't know about Steph, have uh, exist in the comedy world, but Tom, I know you for sure have listed, existed in the improv, improv comedy world. And it was supposedly Del Close told uh, L. Ron Hubbard, uh, uh, when L. Ron Hubbard was telling him about this crazy origin story of that was the background to Scientology, I think Del Close said, Wow, that sounds crazy. You should make that into a religion. So we have him to thank <laughs> for that. And as I recall, the Improv Olympic wasn't that far from the Scientology building. Uh, so they both had their uh, little cults <laughs> down there on Hollywood Boulevard. Yeah, even even across the street at UCB. I mean, that sort of turned into a cult uh, mm-hmm. in and of itself. And just oh yeah, not paying performers. Yeah, making uh, a lot of money. 
That's not on our list, though. It's not on our list. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> that's uh, that's something I would say. Um, my wife was for very many years working for an improv comedy theater, as was I. And boy, if you want to deal with something that kind of steals your identity and takes all your money <laughs> and convinces you <laughs> that uh, you're just on the brink of getting to the next level and breaking through, if only you, uh, you know, <laughs> give us your credit card number. Um, okay, so cool. So we'll move on. Uh, Tom and Steph have come out swinging with Scientology. Richard and Michael, what do you got? All right, so our first choice, it's interesting that you mentioned Scientology and you brought that up because we went the fictionalized version of Scientology route and we uh, went with Mindhead, ah. the uh, cult at the uh, periphery of the uh, Steve Martin and Eddie Murphy movie, Bowfinger. Oh, awesome. <laughs> That's really awesome. You could they tell wore, Steve. Uh... Yeah, they wore these pyramid hat hats <laughs> everywhere, like inside their, comp their, their compound. And they had a, uh, main building that looks suspiciously similar to the big blue Scientology building uh, in East Hollywood. And it was, you could tell it was Steve Martin wanted to do commentary on Scientology, but he knew he would get sued to oblivion if he actually mentioned the word Scientology. <laughs> so this was kind of his way to get around it. Wow. And yeah, as a, as a cult that's, you know, the trappings are very similar. You've got, you know, their goal is to get rich celebrities into their system and then continue to have them pay for more and more things and more and more treatments and moving up, like you said, in the, the levels. Um, and I, I just, I, a, I think Bowfinger is a really underrated comedy. Yeah. I think we yeah. may have discussed, we may have discussed this on the show before, but I think it's just a, a really one of Steve Martin and Eddie Murphy's best movies each separately. Yeah. And then you put well, them together. Well, it's fantastic. And one of the rare movies where somebody playing two actors uh, pulls it off, like Eddie Murphy playing his nerdy brother and and playing the superstar Eddie Murphy was like yeah. so well done. Yeah, I, absolutely. Cause, yeah, because yeah, the plot of the movie is he has to use Eddie Murphy's nerdy brother to be in his movie because and they look the same, so it works out. But. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I appreciate the fact that they kind of show that the type of who the type of person is who would get sucked into this cult. Because, like you said, Eddie Murphy is playing Kit, who is one of the biggest action star in the world at the time. And he's also someone who is very paranoid about everything. Right. And they kind of use that paranoia against him to kind of bring him closer to the to, to mind head that they're the only ones who can protect him and that's you know that's a technique that is used in cults you know they're they're they they go after certain personality types right. i mean there's a reason what why one of the i guess my first uh entry into scientology or understanding of it was when i was in college at usc and they had someone in the center of campus offering free personality tests. Oh, yeah. And what they do is you take the personality test. They don't quite mention who's giving it. Then they, after you take the test, they, oh, this is really interesting. We think you do great with us. We're with Scientology, da, 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 da. And that's kind of how they, they drag you in. And, and specifically, I believe they're really looking for certain personality types that they know would react beneficially to what they're selling. Hmm. Or yeah. fall for it. Fall for it. Yeah, basically. 
that that film uh that was a hilarious movie i i i can't find it anywhere is it on it's not like on netflix i haven't seen it floating around there do you think scientology <laughs> pulled it out out and off i, I think they did uh-huh yeah, let's assume they did. Let's okay. say that they did. I, I hope we get sued by Scientology. That <laughs> give us a little bit of notoriety. So please, let's well, just the, keep it going. We perfectly fit the profile. A, a podcast with low self esteem that's been plugging <laughs> along for two hundred fifty <laughs> episodes and nobody listening. <laughs> Until now, we've got the powerhouse com comic duo of uh, Steph and Tom Clark, and we're glad to have them on here. Uh, Tom brought up something in his. And that you brought up in yours is this sense of weakness um, that is targeted by those um, cults. But then I, like Tom, feel like I am just the kind of guy who would just get suckered in with like my eyes would turn into hypno wheels and I would just get pulled in as soon as I put my hands on their e-meter or whatever that machine is. The next thing I know, I'd be pulling out my credit card. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't feel like that. I don't buy everything I see on TV. I don't fall for a bunch of fast talking pitchmen like a cartoon wolf with a, with a big trench coat with watches on the inside. I don't know why I think that that would happen, but Jeff, I've been to your house. I've seen all the Ronco products that you have in your garage. Do you feel the same? Scientology, how they make it work so well is in the beginning. What I've seen is that they'll give you financial advice and, and tools. So it seems helpful. So you seem like you're getting, like if you're an actor trying to be more confident, they, they, they play into that and it works for people at first and then it gets crazier and crazier as mm -hmm. you go, as you just committed and you're a hundred grand in. Yeah. Uh, Steph, you also alluded to something that I think we're discovering as more docs come out about the organizations is that we see how they pull in people, but we see how they use the money to purchase assets like real estate and things. So in a way, it's one of the biggest real estate companies in the world. And as uh, a industry that's kind of posing as a faith organization, like, like religions, you know, they're all tax exempt and all that stuff. So, wow, 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 wow. Before we yeah. get too, before we get too much further down the road, I do want to give a shout out to the uh, Oh No Ross and Carrie podcast. Um, if anyone out there has not listened to that, it's a strong recommendation from me uh, to host Ross and Carrie. They will go out and basically jump right into different cults and religions and like basically join for a couple of weeks just to see what it's like. Wow. wow. So they did, they did one with Scientology where they intended just to take a few entry-level classes and that would be it. And they wound up just kind of going deeper and deeper into it. And it wound up being like a 10-part whole series. And it's probably as much as I've ever learned about what actually happens mm. when you're going through the Scientology classes and the ways they try to upsell you and kind of string you along. So it's a great podcast in general, but those Scientology episodes are uh, highly recommended if you're into that sort of thing. They go undercover. Yeah, yeah exactly. There was a comic who uh, was a Minnesota comic who moved out here for a while I was acquainted with who worked for a copy center, like a Kinko's type thing that was adjacent to the Scientology uh, center. They Or their main client was Scientology. And it was funny to hear him discuss it kind of like he was one of those contractors who's on the Death Star. You know, the guy who just like mops up with the Death Star, like... <laughs> Does he believe in the force? No, I don't believe in the force, but I kind of got to know stuff about the force. You know, I kind of got to know the evil stuff that 
happens. <laughs> so he would say, um, you don't train something or learn something. Somebody hats you into it. I'll hat, I'll hat you how to use that copier. Hey, hey, hat me how to use the, the postal uh, meter. Like, and I said, what does that mean? And he said, in Scientology, jobs are not part of your personality. A job is just like a different hat you wear. Like a, a cop wears a certain hat or a chef wears a certain hat. So a hat, hat salesman, a hat salesman sells a certain <laughs> hat. hat. Yep, we got hat. it. So he, it was funny to hear him say, like he had this terminology that he had to learn for work. And they, I asked, are they trying to get you in the cult? He goes, no, they just want me to make the copies. But it's <laughs> wow. good for us to kind of know some of the, so it was like, if you're the caterer for Scientology, they don't care whether you're part of Scientology, but you have to learn part of their cult lingo. It was crazy. I wish they I just, need to, know, they just need to know how many quesadillas you need. Yeah, just, I don't know. These low, these low self-esteem people, they need a lot of quesadillas. Uh, okay, cool. So that's, that's, that's awesome. Let's go on to Steph and Tom's second choice. All right. <laughs> I want to let you. Uh, the second one is uh, multi-level marketing companies. Oh wow! Okay. Pyramid schemes and uh -huh. more specifically, Beachbody. Oh wow! Okay. <laughs> what uh, have you I'll had? Any... Time on my hands, you guys. This is all I <laughs> researching the last ten months. So let us know so, what you've dug up about these organizations. Yes. So they uh, um, all the MLMs kind of work the same way where they're again with that those levels that you kind of work your way up the ladder let's say you're at a gold level then you get an escalade and they make you it makes it sound like oh i'm getting an escalade but no you're you're making car payments you're leasing it and if you don't make quota then they'll take it away from you so you oh. don't own an escalade oh. and then all of their methods of recruiting uh they call them boss babes there's guys in them too but mainly there's like 70% of, of people in MLMs are women, some quote like that, about 70%. So they're very predatory as they approach women on Facebook, they'll message you and like, oh, I have this product and you should try it. And then they try to recruit women that way. They, they focus on recruiting um, people that are in desperate need of money and they really focus on uh, single women. Hmm. So it's very predatory. Uh-huh. Do you uh, do you think there's anything positive for people in this, or do you think m some people find a sense of no. pur purpose or mission, or actually economic relief from it? No. Uh, nine. It's about ninety nine percent of distributors and MLMs lose money. Oh wow! So, so even the people at the top, they're making money because all the those on the on the bottom, like all the people underneath them. Mm. But my beach body company is going to make it. I, <laughs> I don't care what she says. <laughs> uh, sometimes I'll see uh, the, something like Herbalife uh, as a big, big sponsor. Any soccer game I've ever seen <laughs> has had an Herbalife jer jer jersey on. Richard, you're a big sports fan. Is that yeah, they, they sponsor the uh, LA Galaxy, uh -huh. much, to yeah, the, much, much to the embarrassment of uh, many of their fans. I yeah, yeah. Life has a lot of class action lawsuits, and the founder got in trouble with, I think, fraud. Yeah, that's right, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, they, they've, yeah, it's, they tried to make it fail. Well, they target like the Latino community and make it about yeah. the American dream, and they make you buy the, the Herbalife stores. Yeah, and it's it's real estate based. It's buying yeah. the stores and then. The, oh. the products are second nature and then it's 
the goal is to get more salespeople underneath you mm-hmm. <laughs> and the, the products don't sell they're all terrible products they like cause you to break out in rashes and, and <laughs> oh horrible. wow yeah and uh they yeah they've been sued i think and they've kind of just rebranded themselves and because they have yeah herbalife has a lot of money so they can afford the class action lawsuits mm-hmm. what's yeah. interesting is the dimension that is different i guess i don't know what the or i have a sense of what Scientology promises you, but how it might be different than what, say, a multi-level marketing organization does. It seems like one is enlightenment and and a an awareness and all this stuff, and the others that may lead ultimately to fulfillment in regards to relationships or fi- finance financial. It seems like multi-level marketing is really just about comp- achieving wealth and and. Right. Yeah. yeah. Then a lot of them have pre-pandemic big conventions like in Vegas and Miami where they're, it's just like a big celebration. They'll have like a, a celebrity guest speaker. So it makes and, it feel like a special event. And they show their top sellers. These mm-hmm. are our gold members and these guys built from nothing and look what they've achieved. And, and Scientology sort of does the thing too, where it's like, look mm-hmm. at all the great stuff we're doing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's almost like a Tony, Tony Robbins seminar or something. Yeah. Where, yeah. I think it's I think it's always interesting when you see someone that you know kind of fall into not the trap but fall into the the MLM thing and you're just watching it from the outside and saying like wow they really just their entire life shifts into this mode of trying to sell leggings to people and it's just like all the time you're just it's all they're doing and videos are posting and uh, the life that used to be about kind of like their children or their, um, their friends and hanging out is suddenly like, I've got to do this video now. And how many of these videos do we have to do? And how many of this things do I have to sell? And how much of this product needs to be purchased ahead of time? And you're just like, wow, I can't imagine. Oh yeah, totally. I would say both of them involve brainwashing as far as, like with Scientology, if uh, a friend or family member leaves Scientology and they talk poorly of it, then the people in Scientology say, you're not allowed to talk to that family member. And they actually have reports. They will encourage people to write reports on each other if anyone's talking bad about Scientology. And with the MLMs, if so, if I had a friend, for example, I told her, hey, you know, you might want to watch the John Oliver special on MLMs and, uh, you know, just information about it. And she she took that as I'm not being a supportive friend. And they kind of brainwash the MLM people to think if someone's talking poorly of MLMs, they're jealous. They're not supportive. They don't care about mm-hmm. your success. Yeah, yeah. I, I find it fascinating. Both of the examples uh, that you've shared are adjacent or similar to something that has a greater level of acceptance within society. So Scientology, Christianity, they each have their um, mythology behind them, creation stories, and they each have both tax exempts. They each have real estate as a foundation of their, um, one of their, their profit structures, I guess. But the latter is just a little bit more, uh, I guess it's got, you know, a couple centuries more of time behind it. But if a friend told you that they were, they were getting 
caught up in Christianity, like what would you would you would you react negatively, or would you just good good for you, Larry? Or or if if somebody, uh, it seems like multi level marketing is very adjacent to exactly what this company's country country's company, how ironic, is founded on capitalism. You know, we're the American dream is what they're selling in in multi level marketing. Uh, what is it about them that makes them eat not evil different? <laughs> <laughs> that makes them a cult. That makes them a cult. As experts. Um, I, don't, I don't know if, I think that if something, if you're, if you're involved or passionate about something, if it's religious or whatever it is, if it's not harming yourself or others and it's not being judgmental to others and it's making you a better person, then I'm all about it. But I don't think that's the case with MLMs and Scientology. I think there's a lot of abuse in it. Um, uh, physically and mental, and it doesn't make you a better person. And they're, they are isolating you from your support structure. I would say right. in, a, in a, a cult, if there's any question of uh, those in your personal network uh, not supporting it, they're going to pull you right away from those people and subsume you into that cult. And I, and I, the one thing that I, Michael kind of uh, touched on is when people get involved in multi-level marketing, I just feel bad because I feel like that person is saying goodbye to 90% of their friends because friends are now customers. And if they're not, mm. if, if they don't buy, they, they ain't friends anymore. As for or, if, or, if, or if they don't uh, rate and review our podcast. <laughs> no longer friends. <laughs> I mean, no come on. Friends. How many times? When you said that, uh, the New York life insurance, um, I was thinking of that. There was a guy in, in comedy sports. I guess it wasn't New York Life. Maybe it was, but he, he would start working for a financial comedy company and he wanted to meet with every single yeah. member of comedy sports to go over finances and, and maybe be a financial planner or whatever. And it just, it felt very culty because it was just like, hey, I'm going to use my improv troupe and just mm -hmm. sit down with every single, at a, I, I I met with him and I didn't do it, but I mean, but like six months later, seeing him on the streets, like, oh yeah, I don't do that. Anymore. Yeah, <laughs> like he was almost embarrassed of it. Like, you know, that he fell for it. I guess. Uh -huh. Wow, that is a funny thing, actually. As artists and improv people and comic comics and things like that, the idea of um, you know, <laughs> investments and and financial. Somebody trying to sell me on financial stability, like, who are you? Some kind of scam artist? <laughs> or is anybody, any other normal person would see that as an actual benefit to their lives? Also, to hit up your improv troupe for uh, finances, yeah. probably not the best business plan. Yeah, you're, you're fishing. You're, we're one level above homeless people. You're fishing in the wrong pond. Okay, Richard and Michael, what is your second choice for the Mount Rushmore of Colts? Okay, our second choice is uh, uh, called realism or the realists. And uh, maybe I'm pronouncing it wrong, but who cares? I don't care. Uh, these is a, this is a religious um, organization <laughs> cult um, based around um, a lot of different things that are just really out there. Oh, wow. Um, it's focused around um, extraterrestrials um, called the Elomen who have um, created humanity uh, in order to advance technology. Um, it believes that these people, these Elomen have come to earth at some point in the past and have um, 
engage with humanity in order to advance them to the next technological um, level of being. Uh, but they can only really do that once we've kind of achieved peace and um, understanding of one another, which sounds really nice. The, the, you know, the weird stuff about it, if that wasn't the weird stuff, was that um, they're also really into cloning and um, have the aforementioned kind of um, power structure that has been mentioned before, you know, starting out with uh, level zero trainee, going up to level one assistant organizer, then organizer, then assistant priest and priest and bishop, and then, you know, a planetary guide, obviously. Um, it just gets it just gets weirder and weirder, and I think it's very fascinating. They have uh, a business that they've um, started called um, Clonade, which is all about um, the cloning of human beings. They've claimed to clone the first one named Eve, which is just like wow. okay, of course. I mean, I, I guess that's where I, I start to take a step back and being like, does it have to be so obvious? Does like yeah. the first person you clone have to be named Eve or Adam? Couldn't it have been like Todd? Yeah. <laughs> or like, I don't know. When it seems like my fan, my Futurama fan fiction, that's when it's yeah. not. Yeah. That seems like a bad, like a first draft. Uh, if you were in an improv sketch, like that's the first thing you would come up with and nobody would question it. But, so is it rayless uh, as in ray of light? What, R-A-E-Y? R-A-E. R-A-E. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I think my, my, there's so many different, like every time I think about this, I think my different favorite aspects keep like popping out. Like their official symbol is like a star of David that's encircling a swastika. And it's like, Whoa. man, you're just, yeah, you're, you just don't know what, I know you're trying to claim some, pull something back from there, but like, uh -huh. you're not going to win that one. The, the guy that um, created it, um, his name is um, Claude Volohorn. He's like, uh, uh, French uh, ex uh, uh, car driver. He was like a speed um, race car driver. Race car driver. Thank you. And you just look at pictures of him, and he's like totally like he's half bald with tufts of hair and this weird beard, and he's wearing all white. And you're just like, yeah, okay, that checks yep. that, that checks that box too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think I think my favorite of all the things that are believed by this group is that um, the spirit is undying. The soul is undying. And that they're, one of their goals is to clone people, to bring people back into their bodies. But then, then there's this vengeful aspect is they'd love to clone Hitler oh. so that they could reinstall Hitler's soul so he could be properly punished. Oh. Same thing with like the people that um, caused 9-11, get their remains clone them so that they could be punished and that is just fascinating to me uh -huh. i just i just love that there's just all out in front of just vengeful uh <laughs> vengeful yeah. persecution you know via cloning yeah do uh are there any similarities like some of these um cults and things like that have it's almost like they're kind of um apples and you know apples and apples to other ones is there some similarities you go up oh, yeah that's a cult and like taking away financial assets or calling people by numbers or anything like that or i think the pyramid structure of it all there is definitely a um 
preaching of like a peace and love and understanding um, in order to like achieve uh, a level of enlightenment. It's a um, purchasing of land in order to create um, uh, these embassies around the world. You know, there's a lot of stuff that's just a lot of buying into this, you know, kind of future self beyond yeah. what we have now. And, mm-hmm. this, you know, religion is like that. It's just the promise of something better on the other side. But you, in the first, but first you have to, you know, give us your credit cards and yeah, sign everything away. And yeah, I think it it's, starts with a name, and I think realist. That's not a good name. That's, a, that's like from a marketing standpoint. Yeah, I, I would nothing to do with the railroad. Nothing. nothing <laughs> I assume that. I assume the fans that follow Sugar Ray uh, might <laughs> might have considered that at some point. Right. Realize the negative associations. Uh, okay, so hey guys, we are at our halftime, and at this point, we're going to beg you to join the cult of the Mount Rushmore podcast and download, rate, and review past episodes. Go listen at any place you get podcasts. It's on all the things. Um, and also, uh, do us a solid and share the good word. Uh, contact all your friends, the ones you think may have a podcast listening device like uh, anything, a computer or an iPhone. And ask them to download and listen to our podcast. Um, Wealth and all your wildest dreams will follow very uh, shortly there with afterwards. You do all that stuff. But uh, there's also another podcast I want uh, to invite you to follow. And Steph and Tom are going to tell you about that. Yes, the I'm a Rescue podcast available on all the different uh, platforms. Uh, Anchor.fm slash I'm a Rescue. we named it after the dog we, we rescued uh, a few years ago, uh, Abigail, and now we have Ruby. But um, yeah, it's about people overcoming difficulties in their lives and uh, uh, just uh, making their life better. Sort of inspirational, funny, and uh, all points in between. Cool. Do you ever take, uh, one thing we do is we invite our guests uh, who uh, encounter us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, to make suggestions of uh, future topics or subjects or anything like that. Do you ever get people who find your podcasts out in the wild or do you mostly discover people in person and welcome them to be guests? How does it work? Lately, it's been um, online. Um, so I found this cool lady who started this movement called Grombre. It's about a gray hair movement for women, like how to embrace women going gray. So I found her on Instagram and had her on the podcast, and that was really fun. And I found people that have been in uh, multi-level marketing companies to talk about their story, and uh, I found them on Instagram. So lately, it's been since since we've been in quarantine, we find people um, online. And Tom yeah. has interviewed friends that live in faraway places. Yeah. I tried to interview uh, Jerry Mathers from Leave It to Beaver. Um, really. Because uh, you, you might be doing it. I can maybe do it, but yeah, it's, my agent actually represents like all the old school uh, celebrities, uh, like uh, like I think Catwoman is it Catwoman or Bat? I can't remember. It's Catwoman or Batgirl that are is still around, but he's he represents. Oh, Jeff will know. Well, which yeah, actors? There was there were multiple. Um, um sorry, uh, there's there's a Julie Newmar. There was Eartha yeah. Kitt. Julie is still alive. Eartha has. I mean, Julie Newmar, yeah. 
Oh my God. Well, let me know if you get that one. <laughs> that's pretty amazing. Wow. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. Um, yeah. Yvonne Craig has passed the fat girl. Um, well, I also am interested in your careers that exist in the world of comedy and kind of having a laugh and kind of um, dwelling in sarcasm and silly make ups and the sincerity that your podcast uh, sits inside. Do you find that people want to know, are you guys serious? <laughs> are you guys serious with this whole inspiration podcast when you're such funny people and part of your entertainment career? I think the I think we're mostly serious on the podcast. I don't know if it's really maybe it's just like a little yeah. bit of humor. Yeah, we kind of separate the well. One of the last interviews I had was with my brother who was kidnapped in Brazil uh, wow. like about twenty years ago. So uh, we I, I never really talked to him about it. So I kind of mm -hmm. got all the gritty details of it, and uh, and there's some humor to it. There's some uh, uh -huh. just interesting experience of sitting in the back seat and they're all listening to like uh uh what's that song lean on me and driving <laughs> in my brother's car that they stole and he's sitting in the back seat and pointing out where the atm is um so there's just there's those lighthearted moments that come up but yeah i think it comes from a place of sincerity and 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 using our comedy to kind of uh yeah. kind of you know to to kind of I don't know if it's to point out the absurdity of it, but just to kind of uh, to deal with uh, those mm -hmm. circumstances. Oh yeah, it's a great but, coping mechanism, <laughs> a sense of humor. Yeah. yeah. All right, dude. So let's move on to the third choice from Tom and Steph of Colts. Well, I, I went big uh, on this one. I went uh, the Catholic Church. There you go. There you go. Gloves yeah. are off. <laughs> Gloves are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I grew up uh, Catholic, Catholic grade school, Catholic high school, Catholic college, wow. uh, raised in it. And, and I, I even lived in Mexico for six months. I lived in Juarez, volunteered for a Catholic organization where we, you know, woke up every day at 6 a.m., went to mass, then went to this, uh, uh, like, boys and girls club. And we we built this facility for, for kids, for all the kids in gangs and stuff. And... Uh, um, it was a great experience, but it was, but it was like from 6am to like 11 o'clock at night, we were doing this, uh, and then we were volunteers. Um, and I, I enjoyed the experience, but I just think, it, I, I just think like the amount of guilt that I'm racked with, uh, later on in life of anything enjoyable or anything. I like, Oh, this things are going good for me. It's like, wait a minute, Tom, you should feel bad about that. <laughs> uh, I feel like that's uh, that's sort of the essence of a cult, right? Kind of keeps you down, keeps you. So, um, yeah, I haven't been, uh, I've not been Catholic probably for the last mm -hmm. ten years, but uh, you know, plus all the the priests um, molesting kids, oh, yeah. that, so that uh, didn't help. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so all, all those circumstances just kind of uh, led me to to realize that it's sort of a cult that's just lasted, like you said, for centuries, you know, the, the inquisition, I mean, geez, mm -hmm. <laughs> they killed, you know, yeah. they forced people to be Catholic. They forced religion on people uh, or you died. So that's uh, pretty extreme, I guess. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that brings in death cult, but uh, close. Yeah. Uh, have you found that it was, um, from a debriefing standpoint, hard to escape those emotions that you had or hard to escape the 
um, or move gracefully away from the uh, relationships with people who didn't support your separation from the ideology that was painful to you? Was it, was it hard to jump, jump out, out the gang? Not really. I mean, I didn't make a big statement about it. It was just kind of like, I think it was mainly with my parents and just saying, I don't really go to church anymore. And just stating sort of the reasons I said about just the, the way Catholics have sort of brushed under the rug, the whole, uh, you know, assaulting of kids and stuff that I, I just don't agree with it. And I think that was the easiest thing for me was to have my parents or especially my mom kind of be like, okay, I understand if that's, you know, it looks like you've done your research. And I think Steph sort of pointed out like the absurdity of just, why can't you just be a good person to be a good person as opposed yeah. to being a good person because you're promised everlasting life or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, and you, you have to be Catholic, otherwise you don't get it. Um, so that sort of, I think to have somebody with an outsider's perspective of that and kind of confuse, like, well, why'd you go do that? Like, why, you know, kind of uh, help me open my eyes a little bit. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's uh, very interesting. Do you feel like you got critique for being, let me just say this, like, it, and maybe that was the first part of your life and your entertainment stand-up comedy part of your life has been after moving away from Catholicism, but I know that were I to meet at a show, a stand-up comic who was also a reverend or something like that, for me, that would be the weirder thing. You know, that for me, that would be the oddball thing. Not that, um, like you have some people in your life who may think it's kind of bizarre that you aren't Catholic anymore, but there are maybe more people out here in your community that would, would look askance if you were <laughs> like this Tom, he goes to church every day of the week and he believes in this, uh, guy in space who lives with his dad in the clouds and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, that almost seems like that in some worlds and entertainment is even more bizarre believing this in this ancient religion. Yeah. Yeah. I think when I first moved out, I was pretty religious. I would go to church every week and all that, but uh, yeah, it just kind of, and I guess I sort of held that like a superiority of like, I go to church and like, you know, and like you'd tweet something like, Oh, the priest, really nailed it today you know hilarious stuff or you know whatever just to kind of virtue signal that i go to church uh-huh. and uh, i guess there was a point maybe where i kind of like but then you're just you know lording it to use that uh <laughs> lording it over them of just like i'm i'm morally superior or, or whatever which isn't the point of any mm-hmm. good religion is to <laughs> point out that you're better than other people that's not that shouldn't be what the religion is right yeah Okay, so uh, I'm, I'm, you know, we've got Scientology, Pyramid Schemes, Catholic Church. I'm predicting their fourth one is America or, I don't know, puppies. Uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll burn that bridge when we get to it. Uh, Michael or Richard, what's your third choice? Third choice. It's interesting you brought up a, uh, a, a lording something over people like you're better than them. Because our next one is CrossFit. I knew it. I knew, I knew the dagger was coming at some point. <laughs> Jeff, oh, man. Jeff I, we need if, to talk. If I could punch you through this monitor. Wait, they did train me to do this. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bring it on. Bring it on. Well, well, I, and I think it's, for me, it's, it's less singling out CrossFit as it is kind of a lot of different exercise or fitness yeah. groups yeah. where there is that sort of 
for lack of a better term, cult-like uh, feel to it, where it is, you are part of this, your friends are part of this, um, you know, this is something that, that we do, it's just part of what you do at this point. I was almost going to choose uh, Bikram Yoga. Oh. The hot yoga. <laughs> yeah. Which actually did come at come in to be a little bit more of a uh, a cult even mm-hmm. than 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 CrossFit. And I don't mean to pick on CrossFit. It was just a, a fun way to kind of rail on you a little yeah. bit, Jeff. Oh yeah. But um th- there is something about, you know, when someone gets into this concept of I'm gonna work out and I've got this very specific program or type of thing that I'm doing and I'm doing it with other people. There is that element of pure pressure from these people that you've now made this connection to that you're going to keep doing it. And this idea that you have to, you know, God, we talk about the you guys talked about improv and kind of the ability to continue to sink money into it because you're trying to reach up to that next level. I think a lot of these kind of fitness-based groups have that element to them as well. Yeah. Oh, I, I have in many workouts for nearly the decade that I've been doing CrossFit turned to the next person next to me and said, are we in a cult? I think we are because we're all, we're all of us doing what the idiot at the front says. Uh, and he's, he's in charge because he's, he paid a certain amount of money to get the training for, to be a level one certified CrossFit coach. So I, I know that the hallmark of some um, cults is inside terminology. There's so much insider terminology in fitness. It could be Zumba. It could be, you know, cardio bar. But in CrossFit, right. don't you dare, these- don't you dare take down Billy Blanks right now. <laughs> oh, Tybo is definitely. I think somebody took down him a long time ago. So I, I don't have to do that. But in in CrossFit, there are all these three-letter acronyms. Um, like you said, Richard, the when cost becomes an investment, you have to defend the investment. It has to mean something because it costs so much to do. If you were to turn to somebody and show any doubt that it means something that it's making you better, the facade is cracked and the whole thing comes apart. But oh my God, uh, recently CrossFit went through a crisis because it's l- like some political organizations, MAGA, its leader it was corrupt. Its leader was morally questionable, said a lot of stupid things and everybody would just kind of like gloss over his, his, um, his huge imperfections and personality flaws uh, because they so much believed in this, in this um, thing that he'd created. So I think so many people look beyond what the current political leader of the United States says, because they believe in this agenda that surrounds him. So Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> totally a cult. Well, improv was a cult too. I mean, oh, oh, in CrossFit, like the things that are just so ridiculous. Like I finally got, uh, you broke, final- you broke through the crack. You broke through Richard. You got to him. <laughs> oh, I know it's a cult. Finally. Well, okay. the good news is we're not CrossFit anymore. My, my gym de-affiliated. They still take all our money. <laughs> but we're, we're not affiliated. With they're, CrossFit they're, they're, a free, they're a freelance cult now. They're a freelance cult. Yeah. Oh, uh, it's called Ray. It's called Ray. Steph, could you repeat yourself? Oh yeah, sorry. Um, so was CrossFit at your gym? They weren't its separate gym. Uh, Does that makes sense. CrossFit is like the franchise, and then all the things that they teach really are kind of borrowed from different fitness training and conditioning 
aspects, but uh, there is an organization called CrossFit and it has a, you can purchase a, you can be a affiliated gym. I, I don't know what the like franchise. Yeah. I, I think, I don't know, is car, like Bikram is a certain type of branded yoga that you Larry, have to pay. Yeah. You have you to have, pay. Yeah. I have to pay a certain amount of money and then you have to go to training yeah. to be able to be certified to be a Bikram yoga for, instructor. Yeah. Yeah, and for CrossFit, you really just have to look for the logo. It's a big cross with a really yeah. buff Jesus carrying That's it. it. That's but it. like he's really ripped. That's it. He's really ripped. Like he's got big lats Dude, and his yeah. delts are just blasted. And like he looks really good. He looks really he looks swole. He's really good. He looks really good. It was good. a year ago that I was finally able to do this dumb thing. That's a real challenge for me. It was a real challenge. Other people have seen him do it on their first day. And that was to kind of lift yourself on these rings and kind of swing yourself up into a kind of an upright position on these rings. They call it a muscle up. I was finally able to accomplish that. And everybody applauded me like I, you know, cured cancer or <laughs> discovered perpetual motion, probably because I'm like the kid, the, the old guy in my gym that nobody thinks can do anything, but they applauded me. And then I'm, I, it, I was so excited. Then it occurred to me, yeah, it only cost me $12,000 to learn how to do that stupid thing <laughs> over the 10 years of, of payments of this uh, of cult. It, so yeah, uh, they take your money. They have uh, multiple three-letter acronyms and inside jargon. Um, you're always trying to get to the level above. In our gym, there's this thing called fire breather. That's the ultimate level you can get. And once you get to that, there's this thing called like double fire breather. Like, oh, come on, man. <laughs> such, such a cult, such a cult. But like, I think step, like the example you gave is there are some aspects of, of committing yourself to a goal, to working with a group to attain a common goal and not giving up and devoting yourself to this thing and uh, losing yourself and being part of a, a group, some of those are rewarding, right? Like you could join the Peace Corps and do a lot of that. And right. Tom, you probably had made a big impact on people's lives in that right. service, but it's all that identity loss and all that stuff that goes along with it can be <laughs> dilatory. Richard, Jeff, do, you have, do you have nicknames in, in CrossFit? Like, are you, is, are you, are you like snapper or something like that? Uh, I, or like given I, a new name? Oh, did I have a nickname? Uh, I know other people did like this guy's ninja. This guy's Cobra. It's very, it's very, you know, Cobra. Like GI Joe. Yeah. Yeah. Joe. Yeah. Snake eyes. Yeah. Roadblock um, and roadblock. Um, barbecue. But yeah, true. what we really are is MasterCard, Visa, American Express. That's what we are to the owner. <laughs> Um, are they are they losing a lot of uh, gyms because of the pandemic? Or are they still... they lost a lot of gyms uh, due during the um, social political change uh, that uh, was instigated by George Floyd's untimely demise and the Black Lives Matter. There were they brought to light some um, the owners had some stupid things and he'd been saying stupid things for a long time. And CrossFit is such a weird thing like bodybuilding you remember the movie like pumping iron bodybuilding used to be really weird now it's something that happens in every planet fitness and every whatever 24-hour fitness it's something that people are always trying to make their muscles bigger it used to be a weird thing well crossfit is trying to not be a weird thing it's trying not to be a punchline on a sitcom 
and it's trying to be a reg- a sport, you know. Um, and here the owner is is really saying stupid, sexist, uh, insensitive things on his Twitter and whatever. So many gyms de-affiliated from CrossFit. And you are right, Steph, in the pandemic times, I'm not going to go sweat in a, <laughs> a box with a bunch of people. You know? I barely wanted to do it to begin with. So, yeah. yeah. Hey, can we just pause one minute? Oh, yeah. I, I got to take... Ruby she's fine. She, we can. No, we have one more she, to do. But she's not. Oh. Yeah, I better just take. Just sorry, take is that okay? Minutes. I'm sorry. Yeah, I think it's okay. okay just be five minutes. Cool. Okay. Um, do we want to end and come back, or we'll just hang out for a couple minutes? No, we'll just hang yeah. out for a couple minutes. Okay. Um, Steph- yeah, my um, my mom used to be a. a I know this isn't going to be in there. Yeah, she was a a bodybuilder, and she was a natural competitor, and I remember like, um she won like every competition she entered and she was really devoted to it. But I remember like in the third grade in Mrs. Utsumi's class, my mom would like came into the class and like, uh, I don't know, it was like show and tell day, but she would like pose or do something with her muscles. And she, you know, she was a tiny woman. She's five foot two, but she just ripped. And um, I remember some kid asked me like, does it hurt when your mom spanked you? And it was like, no, my mom is like the gentlest, yeah. lady from Austria. There's, <laughs> these two things aren't affiliated. And I remember that that was my first sense of like people thinking that this was really strange. Mm. Like this is like, like muscles denoted strength, which denoted like, um, uh, violence, violence. Thank you, yeah. Richard. Yeah, and it was just you- like, Oh wow. I, this is maybe, maybe cause like Arnold Schwarzenegger went on to become like, you know, an actor that, mm-hmm bench press predators and shit but like yeah. no she she just goes and she works out and she has her job and she takes care of us very strange yeah. i i will say one somewhat common uh sentiment has been shared among new i've been there for like 11 years so there's like new people all the time and i will meet people mostly i would say females who've come in and they'll say, if they say in the first week, yeah, my boyfriend or husband is worried it's going to make me really bulky and I won't be attractive anymore. If they say that, they are divorced within a year at the most. It might even be six months. Uh, because w- what I've found is that your body, when you engage in a new fitness endeavor and you become really excited about it, you have this community around you, your body starts transforming people's minds start transforming and they start to realize there are people in their lives who are unsupportive of their personal growth. And those people are their boyfriends or spouses or something. And they usually, they are divorced within six months here because A, they were already looking for something, some change when they walked, they walked in there for some change. Uh, But I would say, don't worry about your body changing, worry about we're about the brain changing because that's the thing that really happens. And that's the thing that um, is, a, it's a catalyst for other people to make these changes. That, that's, I, that was, I, I think one of the most compelling things. Like, That's interesting. Yeah. Divorce, divorce attorney should hang out there then. Absolutely. Yeah, Hi. absolutely. Michael, I, what's funny to hear about that thing with your mom is, is would you say you as a young person, like as an older person, you 
got more into team sports and things like that, if kickball could be called that. But were you more cerebral drawing, comic books, consuming media kind of stuff? Yeah, but it wasn't because of my my mom. I mean, I think that it was I have this I have this thing with my sister. My sister is four years older than me. And from when she was like three or four years old, she was into dance. She was a dancer. She was always dancing. She took dance classes. She eventually went to study dance at the Tisch University of the Arts in New York. And she, like, that dance was literally her life from all of her life. And she still teaches dance today. But there is definitely a sense of opposites with me and her. And I think that I forcibly pushed it. Like, if she had, she liked boysenberry syrup on her pancakes, not me. Maple syrup. <laughs> she drank. She drank cranberry juice. Nah, apple juice wouldn't even taste cranberry juice. So I think that there was just trying to claim some sense of identity, being a younger sibling and having to do something that was different than my sister. I don't know if that led to me being into comic books and science fiction and whatever. It could be that I was just a child of the eighties and I was into Star Wars and yeah comic books and science fiction and then you know whatever but um i i don't think it had anything to do with my mom and the physicality of it like my dad was um i don't know you know my dad was and is or was an actor or at least a theatrical actor and my mom was a performer and my sister was a performer so maybe there was an aspect of me that never wanted to that rejected all that sort of outward appearance you know, yeah. flash forward 20 years later and I'm doing kickball skits and doing nonsense with Richard <laughs> and Scott and all that nonsense where I'm yeah. over the top. So maybe they just, it's just in the blood. It doesn't, somehow it just comes out no matter what, whether it's my dad acting or mom bodybuilding yeah. and doing routines, my sister dancing and me dressing up as Satan and doing a kickball <laughs> thing that way. Getting, I don't know. Getting beat up by an old lady. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Okay. Before we move on, um, it walks downstairs alone or in Paris for fun. It's a wonderful thing. It makes a slinky sound. It's slinky. It's slinky. Fun for a girl and a boy. Without cults, we would have never had that song. Why? Uh, well, because um, the inventor of the slinky um, was Walter Mus- Slinky. Walter Slinkopowitz. Um, the, inventor, <laughs> the inventor of the Slinky, Richard James, uh, was, after all the money he got from making the Slinky, was enticed to join a cult in Bolivia, a religious cult. And leaving his wife, Betty James, behind uh, with this company and with this novelty toy product that was quickly fading in interest among toy buyers with all the other cool sci-fi toys and things like that. So she had to sink or swim. And so she moved away from the town uh, they lived in, brought all the Slinky manufacturing equipment. And she wrote the jingle, the Slinky song as we know it, because she had to find some way to advertise to try to make some money to try to get out of debt. So uh, we can thank Colts for the Slinky song, at least. So, All right, so uh, Tom and Steph, um, Boy, get your blowtorch out. 
they're going to take down some big institution like Garfield or some beloved character. Or something. <laughs> Pretty yeah. close. Yeah, screw you, Garfield family, family circle. Okay, what is it? Uh, Girl Scouts. Girl Scouts, boom! <laughs> Whoa, not Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts. Uh, the Is it the uh, kind of the, the cookie thing? Okay, never the mind. Cookie. The yeah, cookie. The yeah. Cookies, they're kind of overpricing them. They're... Uh, Whoa. You know, guilting you into taking the cookies at work. Their parents are bringing it in. The kids don't <laughs> see the dime of it. Uh, supposedly goes back into the Girl Scout troops. Yeah. I, uh, have, my doubts. I have my doubts. Yeah, that's underage working. That's, really. yeah. That's, oh, uh, wow. Child yeah. Labor. Child labor, yeah. Yeah, I've heard this is the biggest fundraiser outside of politics, the Girl Scout really? cookies. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did you have a personal, I, I imagine just uh you walking out of a ralph's and some tiny little girl named megan at a car table soliciting and you turn on a heel and scream all this stuff at her did you have... <laughs> is it personal or is it just kind of kind of an observation based on i think it's just the observation i mean when i was a i was a cub scout back in the day and we used to sell candy bars yeah outrage prices and it was always as i don't know where they got but they were good candy bars they were really and so are the girl scout cookies but it just seems like uh, such a scam to get little kids to sell uh to, even now like in 2020 like it was different like in the 80s or the 70s but to now still have children selling cookies yeah uh, i mean it used to go door to door i mean i, I, oh. mean, I used to remember I, I used to go sell candy which is such a just think of like the leeway your parents gave you to go door to door for oh, Halloween. Yeah. Or, <laughs> you know, that would be like child abuse if you did that. Uh -huh. So now would uh, you sell the actual candy bars then or just the promise of candy bars? Cause I think that's, <laughs> yeah, there was that. that's, that's where it gets a little tricky where it's like, all right, you give me money. And then at some point candy bars will be available to you. And you'll also uh, be reliant on me a child to deliver them to you <laughs> but give me the money first the money first yeah. oh yeah that we had that too where you saw them like katie dids and all that mm -hmm. yeah so. mm -hmm. what do you know about the rest of the organization is is girl scout cookies just this the fundraising aspect so corrupt that it kind of throws away the whole, whole organization for you or would is that just uh the visible part of it that you're criticizing I, I got to be honest. I just uh, wanted to throw them under the bus, uh, <laughs> based on no research. Uh, no, <laughs> I just, uh, I, I just, I think I just look back on like things I did as a kid that were acceptable, of like being a newspaper carrier and having to collect money from adults for for late payments and and people stiffing me on the bill. And it's like I'm 10 years old and I'm running a business here, like. Uh, <laughs> I just uh they teach you to conformity and you have as a girl I was a girl scout it didn't last very long I think it lasted <laughs> like a few weeks and I was not into it but you have to wear these uniforms mm -hmm. and you get get together with the other girls and it teaches you yeah conformity and yeah. just kind of like all all those similarities to the other cults mm -hmm. let me ask you are there any other aspects of life in which young girls are encouraged into entrepreneurship um, well, even saying what I just said sounds lurid, but I mean, like, uh, I don't know that young girls are presented with um, entrepreneurship or business 
as a career path as much as they might be in Girl Scouts. So you're saying it's a positive thing as far as I'd say one aspect is um, I'd say you as a young man with your paper out or your this or that, you had the kind of all this independence was probably expected of you. Whereas a young woman, you know, Richard, you have a a teen. I don't know. I don't know if that path is always lit for her, presented to her in terms of starting her own business or anything like that. No, not necessarily. Although I don't know that it's not, um, you know, she did do Girl Scouts for a couple of years. And the thing they don't tell you is that you are basically responsible for a carton, a crate of, of Girl Scout cookies. Mm. And they're worth X number of dollars. And you're expected to raise X number of dollars as a minimum through your sales of cookies. So if you only sell one half of that amount, well, guess who's going to be on the hook for the other half? Oh, wow. So it is a desperate fight to try and like bug every friend, every (laughs) semi-friend, every acquaintance. Yeah. It does start to feel like that multi-level marketing thing where it's like... It's like the beginning of the multi-level marketing for sure. Yeah, yeah. it, It has that feel of like, for for the next month and a half, all you're going to hear about on my Facebook feed is, "Hey, anyone need Girl Scout cookies? Thin mints." Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know what's funny? And in- young girls to be it's cookie, so you're in the kitchen. It's baking. It's a gender bias, well, right? You know? They don't make them. Don't yeah, but it's like it's, it's symbol. It's a symbol <laughs> of why can't they sell so, like bikes? Oh know? yeah, <laughs> yeah. Why, why don't they pick chewing to- <laughs> these Girl chewing- Scout shivs? Chewing tobacco. <laughs> An MMA yeah. competition. Uh, you know, now that I think about the boxes themselves, which usually have on their colorful uh, front, a, a young girl speaking behind a podium, like she's the president of the United States. Or the, There's these very aspirational photos of a, of a woman on a, a young girl on a zip line going across the, the a forest trees or something like that. So there, there's a sense for me that yes this is a huge fundraiser much probably a scam because i don't know if those girls get to pocket if they have pockets on those outfits any of the money and if so is does it feel aspirational to them or does it feel i gotta do this thing because it almost seems like homework probably it doesn't feel like at first for for vivian i think at first it was very exciting like she got to go have a a little booth on Larchmont where she got to like bug people and be cute and get to try and get people to buy giant boxes, you know, giant amounts of cookies. I think after the third or fourth week of doing that, it got to be a little old and she was sort of, yeah. she sort of checked out on it. Um, in terms of pocketing the money, no, the kids don't get to take any of the profits. The money that they earn goes back into their troop to buy, pay for things like field trips and, uh. and, going going away on weekends and stuff like that yeah okay all right uh wow i feel like i lost them (laughs) tom and steph no this is like i feel like you're just like all these sacred cows that you've just beheaded and (laughs) butchered and slaughtered uh which is awesome so uh richard and michael what's your final uh salvo against you and our final choice is from the beloved sitcom the simpsons and it's the movementarians and the movementarianism from the episode, The Joy of Sect. And it is a kind of scathing 
take it taking from all sorts of um, aspects of different cults and uh, followers, uh, kind of m mashing them all together into one kind of general um, kind of cult landscape and just plopped into the town of Springfield. And what's great about the episode is that it really just preys on just generally how easy and gullible everyone is and how um, how quickly everyone falls into this kind of uh, vein of authoritarianism, uh, uh, and the people that are just like running it are so blatant about it. The person that runs it is called simply the leader and everyone simply follows the leader because he's the leader and um, they kind of shame everybody into um, following along and brainwashing them. And of course, chief among them is, is Homer Simpson, who is just the quickest. At first, they, they think that he is this really tough egg to crack, that he's just not listening to any of the things they're saying. And then they trick him into, um, of course, there's a kind of callback to you, Jeff. They trick him into uh, uh, following the leader by simply going, na 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 leader. na 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 leader. And then Homer, of course, is just, he's simply he's brainwashed instantly by it. There's no, there's no turning back, but um, what's, what's great about um, uh, the movementarians is that they just kind of pull from like these kind of other existing cults, like the um, Scientology is previously mentioned and the uh, uh, Ranjish movement, which was kind of uh, uh, came to popularity last year with that, um, the documentary oh, yeah. the about yeah, about the the cult who kind of um, bought a town in Oregon and moved in, and everyone um, rallied against them in like the early '80s, and everything was shown to be um, yeah, just very sketchy as all these kind of cults go. And um, of course, it's all it's all uh, based on the idea that the leader will take you to uh, another planet called Blistonia after X thousands or millions of years and it's just it's just this great hodgepodge of all the different things that we've kind of mm -hmm. talked about is it pulls from uh you know promises of eternal life and ufos and the real life things that have people have actually fallen into and um it's just one of their great episodes yeah there were a, lot, a number of i wonder you could almost do an episode of simpsons cults or secret societies or uh um, oh, yeah. nefarious organizations. Yeah, yeah, the Freemasons. There was a Freemasons episode. Yeah. yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, cool. So that was a fun choice, and we're done. We are going to uh, see what goes up on the Mount Rushmore. I'm just going to do this. Um, normally, Tom and Steph, normally it's a clean sweep um, on our guests' behalf. Normally, they come in and they just kind of. Uh, uh, kind of a torch everything but these you guys you hit me you cut me to the quick with crossfit so crossfit is going up on the mount rushmore because uh, if i don't then i look like i'm in a cult <laughs> our, plan, our plan worked michael <laughs> I'm totally you got him i'm totally I, I know i'm in a cult um uh but the rest is all tom and stuff and their brutal takedown of uh, multiple uh, institutions so many sacred cows they've just destroyed um let's go with the three let's go with girl scouts just because screw you 
young women <laughs> trying to trying to bring Brain tasty to cookies to people <laughs> asking for compensation. <laughs> um, and Catholic Church because of the boldness that it takes to make that statement. Um, and Scientology uh, because we want to make sure nobody listens to this podcast uh, <laughs> and our entertainment careers are are stunted. <laughs> okay, uh, Tom and Steph, well, remind folks again where they can, uh, uh, the name of your podcast and where they could follow your careers outside of podcasting. Uh, Anchor.fm slash I'm a rescue. Uh, I'm at Tom Clark Comedy, Instagram, Twitter, and TomClark.com is my website. And uh, on Instagram and TikTok is uh, Super Coach Steph. I do fun parody videos uh, about MLM. <laughs> and uh, stephclarkcomedy.com for my tour dates. Awesome. Mostly, mostly Zoom shows right awesome. now. <laughs> Guys, we got to get a TikTok. We're way behind. <laughs> I only have four followers right okay. now. Okay. <laughs> well, you, I'm going to find you and follow. <laughs> Jeff, if you can learn some dances that we can we can record, then Man. we're in good shape. <laughs> I, I don't think I can do any of that stuff. Okay, all right. So this has been the Mount Rushmore of Colts with our special guests, Steph and Tom Clark. I, as always, am Jeff. I'm Richard. I'm Michael. Yay, we're done. Hey. Hey.